0: You're listening to the Catholic Fragments Podcast, where we explore the treasures of Catholicism, the fullness of truth revealed in Jesus Christ and His Church. I'm your host, Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and I invite you to join me in gathering up the fragments of the truth that sets us free. Let us pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 12. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, Andrew went with Philip, and they told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there shall my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Saint Therese of Lisieux. Pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Catholic Fragments Podcast. I'm Dr. Donald Fang and today we'll be talking about St. Therese of Lisieux and her deep devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist. Altogether, we will discover a movement of the soul from adoration to thanksgiving a movement that defines Catholic worship and discipleship. St. Therese shows us a little way of love and contemplation that moved Pope St. Pius X to call her the greatest saint of modern times. So let's begin with a scene from her childhood that typifies her entire life of faith. St. Therese writes in her Story of a Soul, her autobiography, a memory of her mother, where her older sister, Celine said the other day, How is it that God can be present in a small host? The little one, Therese, said, That is not surprising. God is all-powerful. What does powerful mean, Celine asked. Therese says, It means he can do what he wants. So she says this at a very young age having this intuition of how Almighty God can be present in the small Eucharistic host body, blood, soul, and divinity. And she says as a little child because simply he can do what he wants. God can do this. God wants to do this. And it's fitting that Almighty God would do this because we see it redoubles his power for God the transcendence of God who is transcendent in relation to creation by definition is to become imminent is to become close to his creatures in a very small simple way St. Therese recognizes this even as a small child she recalls also in her story of a soul When on her father's free days from work, he would take a walk with six-year-old Therese, and they would visit the Blessed Sacrament together, going to a different church each day. So this really was formational for Therese, how her father would take her to different churches and chapels to visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. She developed a deep love for Christ through this regular practice. And those of us who have children in our care can think about this. How can we lead young people to encounter Christ in the blessed Sacrament of the altar? And St. Therese remembers further how she loved the feasts of the church. She says, I loved above all the processions in honor of the blessed sacrament. What a joy it was for me to throw flowers beneath the feet of God. Before allowing them to fall from the ground, I threw them as high as I could, and I was never so happy as when I saw my roses touch the sacred monstrance. What a beautiful recollection she has here, again as a young child, strewing rose petals in the air before the exposed exposed blessed sacrament in the Eucharistic procession, and how she longed that the petals would touch the sacred monstrance as an act of worship, as an act of love for Jesus. Again, it just shows the power of the feasts of the Church like Corpus Christi, especially when we have the procession of the Eucharist exposed in the monstrance, along with incense and singing. Sometimes through a town, through the city, as a way to witness to the saving power of Jesus, especially channeled through the sacramental mysteries of faith. And the Eucharist, we could say the sacrament par excellence, in which Christ gives to us his real presence, without reservation or remainder. And St. Therese has a lot to say, reflecting on her childhood memories of receiving the Eucharist for her first time when she received her first Holy Communion. She writes, Ah, how sweet was that first kiss of Jesus. It was a kiss of love. I felt that I was loved. And I said, I love you, and I give myself to you forever. So at a very young age, when St. Therese received the Eucharist, I think around the age of seven, as became the custom Uh, eventually maybe it was a little older have to go back and study story of a soul to, to track exactly how old she was when she received it but in any case a young child and it's just so amazing the attitude she has in her youth saying to Christ I love you I give myself to you forever and describing this encounter as a kiss of love between her and the Lord Therese also recalls adoring Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament as a child still. She says, I would go up to the choir of the chapel and remain before the Blessed Sacrament until the moment when Papa came to get me. This was my only consolation, for was not Jesus my only friend? I knew how to speak only to him. Conversations with creatures, even pious conversations, fatigued my soul. I felt it was far more valuable to speak to God than to speak about Him, for there is so much self-love intermingled with spiritual conversations. (laughs) She's very real in what she's saying here, and those of us who have been involved in spiritual conversations or even in spiritual podcasts uh, can understand that there can be Uh, too much self-love intermingled with with these things even with um, allegedly good intentions at the front end of things but for her to say that her only consolation was Jesus her only friend and that she rather would speak to God than merely about God I think that's just an amazing point she makes that It is better to speak to God, with God, than only to speak about God. And those of us in academia can know that sometimes or oftentimes we can miss the point, which is speaking with God and all this speaking about God when it can get very worldly, actually. So she's instructive for us in what she's saying and her realization she had as a small child. Further, she says it is not to remain in a golden ciborium that Jesus comes to us each day from heaven. It's to find another heaven infinitely more dear to him than the first, the heaven of our soul made to his image, the living temple of the adorable Trinity this is one of the most profound especially Carmelite points of recognition of the truth of God. It's a great point of recognizing God's desire to take up residence and to circulate in our spiritual souls. Saint Paul says in 1st Corinthians we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The church teaches this and the Carmelite saints reinforce this to the highest degree. That the human soul is created to be God's heaven on earth. God wants to live in us. God wants to live and dwell in this recollected soul, what St. Teresa of Avila calls las moradas, or el castillo interior, the interior castle, the dwelling places, the spiritual dwelling places of the soul. God wants to live there. And that God says this to us, demonstrates his desire to us by changing bread and wine into his real presence, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. The Eucharist is the real presence of Christ, and Christ comes to us in the Eucharist, wants us to receive him in a pure way in the Eucharist, to show that he's coming to dwell in our souls, to circulate in our bodies and souls, to heal us, to fill us with his love, to fill us with his peace, his joy, his thanksgiving for having made us over all, in spite of all the terrible things that go on in the world because of sin. But he comes to us nevertheless, and he remains with us in the small, still, consecrated host that is him, his real presence. St. Therese helps to awaken our recognition and vigilance in the perpetual advent of Christ, his perpetual coming in the blessed sacrament. But St. Therese also is real about herself, her own weaknesses in prayer, how often she would fall asleep in adoration. So she writes in Story of the Soul, I should be desolate for having slept for seven years during my hours of prayer and my thanksgivings after Holy Communion. Well, I am not desolate. I remember that little children are as pleasing to their parents when they are asleep as well as when they are wide awake. I remember, too, that when they perform operations, doctors put their patients to sleep. Finally, I remember that, quoting Psalm 102, the Lord knows our weakness, that he is merciful, that we are but dust, And ashes. So she remembers for many years falling asleep in prayer. And at first she laments this, but then, thinking just a little further, she says at the same time she recognizes she is a precious daughter of the good shepherd and that he must delight in her even when she's sleeping. So there's a kind of dialectic we have, thinking about the apostles in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus saying, can you not stay awake with me for one hour? He wants us to be vigilant. He wants us to be awake. But then at the same time, we think of Jesus sleeping in the stern of the boat in the middle of a storm. There's something of both rest and vigilance within discipleship. Both of these are important St. Therese shows us especially the contemplative side of things, the restful side of things. This is peculiar to the Carmelite charism. It's not so much a mendicant kind of apostolate, on the move, on the go, like the Franciscans and Dominicans, for example, but it is more a stationary, contemplative order from the start. So in the end... She rests content even when she falls asleep in adoring Christ. Then reflecting on her experience of serving as a sacristan within the monastery, St. Therese writes, I was very fortunate to touch the sacred vessels and to prepare the little linen cloths destined to come in contact with Jesus. I felt that I should be very fervent and recalled frequently these words spoken to a holy deacon. You are to be holy, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. This is a very beautiful recollection. Also, thinking about when she served as a sacristan in the monastery, how she would touch the sacred vessels that would hold the Precious Body and Blood of Christ once consecrated on the Altar. And that this point of recognition inspires deeper conversion in the soul. That I need to become more holy by God's grace. I who approach Him in the Blessed Sacrament just like the holy vessels that house His presence. Finally, from these excerpts of Story of a Soul, She has this to say, really in summary of everything we've quoted from her so far. I have offered myself to Jesus, not as one desirous of her own consolation in his visit, but simply to please him who is giving himself to me. When I am preparing for Holy Communion, I picture my soul as a piece of land, and I beg the Blessed Virgin to remove from it any rubbish That would prevent it from being free then i ask her to set up a huge tent worthy of heaven adorning it with her own jewelry finally i invite all the angels and saints to come and conduct a magnificent concert there all this however does not prevent both distractions and sleepiness from visiting me but at the end of the thanksgiving when i see that i've made it so badly I make a resolution to be thankful all through the rest of the day. What a testimony from St. Therese, how she prepared to receive Jesus in Holy Communion, relying on the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and even inviting all the angels and saints, why not, to come and conduct a magnificent concert there at this liturgy where heaven meets earth and where the most holy trinity is so is the glory of God surrounded with adoration by angels and saints and we want to count ourselves we want ourselves to be counted among their blessed company so now just one last excerpt from Saint Therese one of her poems In French, Laton de Jésus-Hostie, the Atom of Jesus' Host. This was a poem that St. Therese wrote perhaps in the summer of 1895, and she was inspired by a fellow Carmelite nun, Sister St. Vincent de Paul, who had a deep devotion to the Eucharist as well. And her devotion was a great model for Saint Therese in the monastery. Saint uh, or Sister Saint Vincent de Paul requested that Therese write a poem based on some contemplative themes that Sister Saint Vincent de Paul shared about the Eucharist. She called herself an Adam that remains at the door or inside the tabernacle, and even in the saborium, as in a nest who loved to hide in the shadows as a speck of dust. So we see such humility communicated about her self-understanding, this sister, St. Vincent de Paul. Probably why she chose the name St. Vincent de Paul for her religious name too, another very humble French saint who served the poor in all lowliness and self-abnegation. Even on the death notice of Sister St. Vincent de Paul was written by her fellow Carmelite nuns, Who of us doesn't remember our good Saint Sister St. Vincent de Paul prostrate at the communion grill during the whole hour of silence in the evening? So we can imagine Sister St. Vincent de Paul laying down face to the ground before Jesus in the blessed sacrament housed in the tabernacle. So, the first stanza of this poem, I'll just read it in French for effect, just to hear the the sound of the poetry of Saint Therese writing originally in French. La tonne de Jésus hosti, the atom of Jesus' host. Je ne suis qu'un grain de poussière. Ma j'ai Fixer mon séjour dans les ombres du sanctuaire avec les prisonnières d'amour. À vers la hostie, mon âme aspire. Je l'aime et ne vaut rien de plus. C'est le Dieu caché qui m'attire. Je suis l'atom de Jésus. And in English, I am just a speck of dust, but I want to make my dwelling in the shadow of the sanctuary with the prisoner of love. Ah, my soul longs for the host. I love him and want nothing more. It is the hidden God who attracts me. I am the atom of Jesus. Wow, striking poetry, incredible. I am just a speck of dust wanting to be with the prisoner of love. This is a name these nuns called Jesus, one of the names they called him, this prisoner of love. He became a prisoner for our sake, out of love for us. In a sense, he paradoxically imprisons himself in the tabernacle, so to speak, only to set us free. But of course, God is free by definition. So it's figurative language, but very poetic, very beautiful. Let me just read two more stanzas of this poem, The Atom of Jesus Host, in English. She goes on I want to say, I want to stay not knowing, in forgetfulness of all created things and by my silence console the host of the sacred ciborium. The ciborium is the vessel that holds the Eucharist in the tabernacle. Oh, I would like to save souls and make elect from sinners. Give the flames of an apostle to your atom, sweet Jesus. If I am despised by the world, if it considers me as nothing, a divine peace floods me. For I have the host as my support. When I draw near the ciborium, all my sighs are heard. To be nothing is my glory. I am the atom of Jesus. Incredible, amazing expression of this carmelite humility, willing to be small, to be unnoticed unrecognized hidden away from the world for the sake of the world for the sake of the salvation of souls it is the monastic way going back to the example of the early early desert fathers and mothers in the early church altogether these are several excerpts from the writings and poetry of saint therese of lesieux about the eucharist and may we follow the pathway of the petals of roses that St. Therese places for us to lead us to our Eucharistic Lord, waiting for us to visit him in the blessed sacrament of his glory. May we hide ourselves beneath the shelter of his wings, assured in his triumph of gentleness and merciful regard. Thank you for joining me on the Catholic Fragments podcast where you are equipped to think toward the whole, to pray from the heart, and to live as a witness.